I'm Sandy Swallow. I'm Okalala Lakota and Northern Cheyenne. I've been an artist for over 30 years and through my artwork have portrayed my heritage. Now I'm starting a brand new venture called Lakota Link and I'm here to share with you and I hope you enjoy it. Lakota Link. Greetings from the home of the Seven Council Fires land of the 1868 Fort Laramie Treaties, bringing stories old and new of Lakota values, courage, respect, wisdom, to name a few. Well, good morning, Lenny. How are you doing today? Better. I think I'm on the road to recovery here. Well, good. I know you've had kind of a tough few months, and actually yeah, you've had... night a... before last, I was pretty sick, and I thought I might have to go back to the doctor, but I survived, so... Yeah, and, and it's actually been a couple of tough years, but I'd like yes. to... I would like to introduce my, my cousin, Lenny Hamilton, Lenny Connell Hamilton, uh, she was married to my cousin Jumbo Hamilton, and gee whiz, I guess we've been friends for 54 years. Forever, yeah. <laughs> Long time. Uh, yeah. And Ups and downs. <laughs> <laughs> not with our friendship, <laughs> but but with life. <laughs> yeah. With life. And, and for my viewers, I'd like you to understand that Lenny actually, well, she has a, a long history, but she met Jumbo at Oryx and because they both went to school there and they got married at a young age and have three boys. And I know she's proud of all three of her boys. And uh, do you want to just briefly say who they are and what what's going on with them? Yeah, first of all, I met him when I was, well, when I was nine, I knew him before that, but when I was nine, he kissed me, and I said his lips smelled like green beans, and I think that was the beginning of the whole thing. <laughs> he was 11. But anyway, my boys, I'm really proud of them because they're, they've turned out to be really nice young men. In fact, Brett's running the ranch now for for me, for his dad, and Bud lives in Colorado, uh, Colorado Springs. And then uh, Travis lives in Hot Springs, and he's had quite a life. He's done really well, and I'm pretty proud of all three of them. They've turned out really well. And and they treat their mom good. That, oh, yes. Yeah. Yes, they yeah, do. You're, you're, you're really fortunate on that. They're and, very good to me. Yeah. And, and if um, they get mouthy, Travis said he's still got that little bit of head shyness. And I said, you do not. He does. <laughs> <laughs> And he said he has a healthy respect for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, he should. <laughs> and um, to kind of, we'll kind of let our listeners know that actually uh, you and Jumbo have been married. I mean, we know he passed away a couple of years yeah. ago, but but uh, all together you had been married how many years? Well, 1965, so... 
that's a long time. Mm-hmm. And he, when you got married, you did end up going out to the ranch, Aunt Joe and Uncle yeah. Bud's ranch. And Jumbo uh-huh. at that time, I remember, kind of worked as a hired hand. But then eventually, yeah. you know, he took over After. the place, mm-hmm, you know, with the cattle and, and stuff. And so uh, for our listeners, wherever they might be, uh, I just want them to know that was in on Pine Ridge Reservation. And it's the southwest corner of the reservation and so you've been out there all those years and I know you've achieved a lot by uh, ended up going to school to become a practical nurse and so you've been off and on the reservation but that's been your home Mm -hmm. yeah I gave him warning when the last one went to college that I was moving back out to the ranch so he had fair warning because they stayed in town and sent kids to school and went to all their sports and so did he he would come in and Monday night was pizza football on TV and the rest of the time it was going to all their games and sports events and so it worked out really good all those years and kind of tell them a little bit and and we don't need to go into too much on your book but oh my book (laughs) on your book but go ahead and tell them about the name of your book oh I was going to write a book because all those years of ups and downs and things that happened and I said I'm going to write a book and it's called my years of grief and gumbo starring jumbo and everybody thinks it'll be a hit because they all (laughs) <laughs> no, both of us for so long. They said, "When are you going to get that book done?" Even when I see some of my nurse friends, they say, "Have you got that book done yet?" <laughs> I have a draft for it, but and what? Was a, what uh, you know? I'm thinking that some of the listeners we have, I know, are you know in big cities and stuff like that, yeah. and and kind of explain to them a little bit about what gumbo is. Oh, that's our mud out here. It's not regular mud. It's uh, it's thick, and when it when you get in it, your feet get bigger and bigger and bigger. And then when it dries, it's hard as a bullet. So it's really different mud. <laughs> yeah. And I got stuck many a times and walked home, and I'd call for the dogs to come across the creek and walk with me because it'd be dark and I'd be in the mud. So. And that's really difficult. To deal with, oh with, yeah, yeah, because yeah. It, you can even slide around on it when you're trying to oh, get someplace. Yeah, terrible mud, and it gets so thick. And yeah, I put on a lot of walking miles. So did he, though. He'd get out in the pasture, and something would happen, and he'd walk back, and he'd have mud up to his knees. And yeah, it was a fight with that gumbo, but it was worth all that, I think. Oh yeah, well, it's a pretty place out there, and and you yeah. guys really are fortunate to be there. And the reason, one one of the reasons I've invited you on Lakota Link is because I know that my aunt Jo was your mother-in-law for a good many years. <laughs> yes, she was. <laughs> and and I know you have a good memory, and and I did mm-hmm. want to basically talk about my grandma, Betty Gillespie. And since my dad, I think he was uh, about 12 or 14 when she passed. And Uh because he was the baby of the family. And my dad 
Woodrow Swallow, he he just really wasn't one to talk about the past too much. I mean, once in a while, he would say something. But what I wanted to talk about was, I know Aunt Jo told you a lot about Grandma Betty, and and mm-hmm. I was just wondering if you could share with us some stories. Yeah, she told me, um, she used to show me pictures of their house and how nice it was. It was a really nice house. And her mother, she said, was kind of stoic, but yet she was neat and orderly. And uh, Grandma said every Saturday they cleaned uh, chimneys on kerosene lamps and always. And then they took professional pictures, too, where they dressed up and they looked so nice. And then she said her mother and her dad always had a competition on their gardens, and they each had one separate. And then they would uh, argue over who had the best garden. <laughs> it was kind of funny. Grandma said they always had a, whenever they started their gardens, there was always this secretive stuff about it. They didn't tell each other what was going on, and it was kind of a competition. She said it was a lot of fun. Uh, just... And when they were kids, they the barn was away from the house, and they used to plan on if it was going to rain, they'd plan on it because if they went to the barn and it rained, then it was too muddy to come back to the house and they'd have to spend the night in the barn. So she said they planned that several times so they could sleep in the barn, look out the hayloft. And that was fun too, she said. For some of the people that don't maybe haven't experienced this, I remember when I was 12, my mom and my sister and I came back from my grandpa Mills's funeral and we stayed with aunt Joe part of the time and then later on I actually stayed all summer there I mm-hmm. I chose to stay there and and I'm not sure if my memory is of that time or before that when we used to come to see Aunt Joe which wasn't very often because back then we lived in Utah and it was quite a drive it wasn't a yeah. just easy thing but I remember the kerosene lanterns, and, you know, a lot of people don't remember that. So let's expound a little bit on that, on how that worked with kerosene lanterns. Well, no electricity, so they would have these glass kerosene lamps with the tall chimneys, and they would fill them. They had a wick in them, and they would fill them with kerosene. And then at night, when they lit them, then they could turn them up or down, but they'd always get that kind of smoke on the on the chimneys, so that's why they always had to clean them. But, yeah, they had kerosene lamps. Of course, my folks had kerosene lamps, too. They kept them really clean and nice. They they were glass, and uh, that was their job for Saturdays was to clean those chimneys and stuff on those kerosene lamps, and they had to be really careful. And, and, and they had was, one other thing. Pardon? When you say that was their jobs, who all are you talking about? Aunt Edna and Aunt Tan and Josephine, and they had to do the lamps. Okay. The three sisters. Uh-huh. And then they had another ingenious thing. He built this cement uh, underground water thing, and he would go up south and get all this snow and bring it and just pack it in that big thing. It's still over there. It's real deep and rounded out, and it was made out of, I don't know, looks like cement or something. But he would fill that, and then he had a pipe that come out the side and came into their dugout underneath their house, and they'd have cold water all summer. That was kind of neat, too, but we don't get that much snow nowadays, so it's been very profitable now. But back then, it was pretty pretty genius to have a door in your kitchen floor, and you could go down and get all this cold water. Grandma I, said that was fun. I know um, 
my mom, I remember one thing she would talk about was they had an ice house, and what they do is go out to the dams during the winter, and if the ice got really thick, they would cut it, and then they uh-huh. would layer straw and yeah. layer these one on top of the other, and this yeah. lasted quite a while. And I imagine oh, yeah. that ice house was probably kind of partly underground. I I don't yeah, know, probably. but... but uh, and they, they always... Um, had the root cellar, too, where they could keep their vegetables and stuff for a long time down in the root cellar. So that was a thing that they had, too. And they would make uh, olives out of green plums. I thought that was amazing, that you could make olives out of green plums. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> oh, yeah, they were good, too. <laughs> Little green plums, but you couldn't get them if they start, start ripening because then they'd be soggy. But if you got them when they were really green and still solid, Josephine used to make them. Her mom made them, and they were just like an olive. Huh. It was a green plum. Huh. <laughs> and, and, and I remember her making, like, sauerkraut. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she makes sauerkraut in that wooden thing, mm-hmm. that uh, in that brine. Yeah. And then she made, what was the other thing? Oh, she made snow snow ice cream. When we'd get a really good, heavy, clear snow, clean snow, she'd make snow ice cream, and she'd make it in cake pans. used to be good. Oh, I kind of remember that. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. wouldn't ice she cream. put cream on it and mm-hmm. sugar? and <laughs> Sugar and cream and eggs, I think, and then the snow. Yeah, it, it was good. I don't know. She made a lot of things. So, um, of in our vis- in our visiting, uh, you was telling me you remembered a story about soda crackers, and I don't remember this. So, do you want to tell that? Well, the soda biscuits. Oh, that was soda the thing. biscuits. Okay. Josephine's mother, Betty. Uh, I I when I lived in Hot Springs, I met this guy named Bob Gamut, and he was from Oral, and he was an older guy, and he told me that he used to come down to the Swallows. They'd ride a horse from Oral, him and this other guy, or maybe it was his brother. But they would come down to Blacktail Creek and hunt this, what they called the gray wolf that everybody was after. And he said they would ride, ride down there and ride all day looking for this wolf, but they always spent the night at the Swallows. And he said that Betty made the best white soda biscuits he ever ate in his life. He said she was a wonderful cook. Talking about those soda biscuits. Well, Josephine was telling me, I came out there and I said, what about these soda biscuits? And she said, my mom made these biscuits and they were just white and fluffy. And Bud was sitting there, Josephine's husband, and he said, yeah, he said, that's a lost art. (laughs) And Josephine said, no, I make them. And he goes, that's what I mean. It's a lost art. (laughs) And she wasn't very happy. (laughs) <laughs> uh, I remember, I remember Aunt Joe's biscuits, and you know, I, Wayne and I've been on a diet, and so I've been really careful watching what I eat and what I make. And the one thing I have not made, I like to make homemade biscuits too, but my problem is. I will eat them, and I will eat them all up. And so <laughs> I have used my willpower, and I haven't even made any because. But that—that's something I remember about Aunt Joe, and then her and she her, made beautiful biscuits. And I was going to make them one time, and Ed Stover came up to visit. There was always somebody there visiting, and it was always fun because there was always somebody there. So I made biscuits, and I set them on the table, and they had their coffee and stuff. And Ed goes, uh. 
oh, those are good sugar cookies. And I said, those are biscuits. (laughs) I tried. And then Josephine had a long knife that had a tipped up end. And she called it a, what'd she call it, her toad stabber? She had a name for that knife. And it was kind of curved. And she would take that slab bacon that you used to get jowl bacon and it was in a slab and it had the hide on it. And she'd cut it with that knife and have those thick pieces of bacon with her biscuits. I tried that a couple of times, but I didn't realize that you had to start baking out with a cold skillet. And so I messed that up pretty good. And then once I was going to make her um, tomato, stewed tomatoes, I think I was going to try to make. And that didn't come out very good either. But I never gave up. I kept trying and she kept showing me. And I finally ended up being a halfway decent cook, but um, she was excellent at it. Yes, she was. Yes, I remember the branding. and She could make and anything. We would make pies. I would help her. We would do the, oh, yeah. the mashed branding. potatoes. She would have so much food at branding. Mm-hmm. It was crazy. Mm-hmm. And back then they didn't use paper plates, so you had a lot of time to visit after the men left the house to do all those dishes. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> I remember having to change the water in the dish uh the dish pan like three times because it'd get oh, yeah. dirty and you didn't want to yeah. wash dirty dishes. So but oh. yeah, it was a lot of she work. said one time Dolly and Kitty that they were younger and they were supposed to do the dishes. And so they took she said that they took all the dishes in a wagon out to the stock tank and started washing them out there. Well they got caught. So then they had to wash every single dish in the kitchen. I don't know why they did that. It was more work to take all those dirty dishes to the stock tank. But I guess they thought they were doing something cool. I uh, Can you remember any other stories about Grandma Glispy? Or see, Grandma was, Swallow, who, who was there Betty was Glispie? There was the biscuit story, and there was the lamps, and there was, seemed like there was something else. I know Grandpa Swallow always said that she was... He, when he went courting, she was the one he picked out because she was the more of the worker than any of the other girls. <laughs> <laughs> Back Even then, her that, twin. Well, and not only that, but she was a beautiful woman. Oh, yeah. Very pretty. Yeah. And Josephine, you know, Dolly was 11 months old when she died. And Grandma told me that Aunt Edna and everybody was over at the house with her vigil kind of thing because she'd been sick and Josephine would go over there and she had this 11-month-old baby and she was sad and stuff about her mother and she said Aunt Edna Sari told her, her sister said, we need you to go to Shadron and get some medicine and she told me that I know that's why they sent me because the time was getting close and they didn't want me to be there when it happened because I was so upset and I had a baby and everything. So Bud took her to Shadron to get some medicine and when they came back she was gone so but she said she knew they did that for her because she was young and she was emotional and so she told me that's what they did they sent Mm -hmm. her because they knew it was hard for her Mm -hmm. she's pretty close to her mother Mm -hmm. she was good to all her aunties she'd always take them food at christmas time and cookies and oh yes always took care of her aunties we, I remember she'd make that homemade divinity and fudge, mm-hmm. and and then we would kind of go the rounds. Aunt Alice, yeah. Aunt May, Aunt, Aunt Margie, Aunt Emmy, Aunt May, 
Yeah, we went and saw all of them. But Babe Merdanian used to call it sea foam, and I couldn't figure out what she was talking about. But I guess that's another name for divinity. Oh, okay. I never. Sea foam, she called it. (laughs) (laughs) Remember that part, too. Uh, But I used to just hang on every word that that little aunties would talk about. Everything they said and did, I was just, when they had their quilting bees, and they'd sit around in the living room and quilt those quilts, and I used to just be amazed at them and their stories. I should have written a lot of it down, but I didn't, but I just really enjoyed them. Can you remember any special stories that, and I and I remember, you know, Aunt Margie, I remember how pretty she was with her blue eyes. Blue eyes. I said on another podcast, you know, I think she might have been one of Daddy's favorites aunts because he would tell yeah. about how they used to go over there and they would, she would tell them spook stories and then... Mm-hmm. And then they would have to come home in the dark (laughs) and how scary it was. Well, Grandma scared my kids to death on that Johnny Crick. Oh, boy. They still talk about Johnny Crick. They want to go outside at night, and she'd say, Johnny Crick will get you. Well, they, I don't know who Johnny Crick was, but it's come down the generations. (laughs) I remember the Chi-Chi Man. Chi-Chi Man, yeah. Uh Uh-huh. And that that was some kind of monster Indian way, yeah. you know, that, the chi chi yeah, man. if you were naughty, the chi-chi man would get you. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But in later years, when she got older, I'd go over and lay down on the bed with her, and we'd talk about when she was young and stuff and things they did, like when her and Aunt Tin, or her and Aunt uh, Snooks used to be on that when they were building the reservation fence. And she was young, very young, and she said they would go over there and they would cook for the guys that were putting the reservation fence in, and they'd camp there. She said it was fun. Mm-hmm. They did all the cooking and stuff for them. And then she told me where all she went, you know, school, and she told me when she ran away from school up in Rapid. And oh, tell us a little bit about the the fact that she went to the boarding school in Rapid. She went to boarding school. She told me she went. They, Grandpa Swallow sent them to boarding school in Rapid because he thought it was a good place for them to be and education-wise and stuff, and her and her friend, I forget who she said it was, ran away, and uh, I think they caught a train. I'm not, seems like she told me they caught a train, but I don't know, but they came home, and the next day, they went back, (laughs) 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 but I don't know how long, how much longer she stayed there, because she talked about Red Cloud, too, but I don't know how long she stayed at the boarding school up there, but but anyway, uh, what she, about the pictures? Remember the school pictures? The school pictures were, and I was looking at that those pictures that she had, and all the girls had dimples in both their cheeks. And I asked her, I said, "Why all these girls with dimples? So many of them." And she goes, "Oh, we would um, when we knew it was picture day, we'd take pins, straight pins, and we'd stick them in our cheeks, and then we'd bite them and smile, so we could all have dimples." I said, Grandma, (laughs) that's kind of out there. And she goes, well, it worked. (laughs) And then she had a tiny little tattoo on her little hand, on her hand, kind of by her thumb. And she never did tell me what was up with that little tattoo, but she had one, little tiny one on her, right by her thumb. Yeah, her her and Uncle Bud built up a big ranch and... A lot of mm-hmm. cattle, and and they were very yeah. much partners in the fa- in the respect that 
she would do all the cooking and mm-hmm. and uh, well, when they first got married, they lived over to the Hamiltons in a little brown house that was their first house. In fact, it was over here by the barn, and it got torn down a year ago. But it was their first little house, and then from there they moved over, and they lived. As you go out to the horse pasture, when you go southwest of the house, there was a there's kind of a dip in the ground and stuff. And Bud said that was their second house. They moved a little house over there, and they had a dugout underneath it. And she told me that when they moved over there, he bought her a brand new bedroom set, and she was thrilled with that bedroom set. I can remember her talking about that. But that's where they lived for a while too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you know. For people to understand the situation, I mean, it will, even though what Oryx is seventeen miles from the ranch, yeah. right about, uh, yeah. it, it it was difficult to get to Oryx. I mean, it was no oh, easy yeah. thing, and I think that's yeah. why Aunt Joe and Uncle Bud uh, ended up buying a house in town at at Oryx Send when the uh huh when the kids mm-hmm. would need to go to school, and and that's basically how I ended up. Randy and I uh, yeah. went to stayed at Oryx for uh, well, for me it was a couple of years, and yeah. um, I remember one of my jobs was to iron Uncle Bud's Western shirts, and back then we would mm-hmm. take the water and we would sprinkle everything and roll them up mm-hmm. and put them in the basket, yeah. and then. <laughs> Iron. Take them out and iron them. <laughs> and that had was... a Pepsi bottle with a little thing on top of it that you could shake and the water would go all over the clothes. Mm-hmm. But that's what Dolly and I had was a Pepsi bottle and we would fill it full of water and shake it on our clothes and roll them up and put them in the freezer. Dolly did. Oh, I don't I, know what the yeah I never was of that, never but... did that because it was always I wanted to get done with it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. then I could do something fun. <laughs> yeah. But, um, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, well, I remember in '49 when they had the blizzard. Grandpa Swallow said he drove, he rode over there on a horse, and it was a Sunday morning, and it was just starting to snow. And he said he was glad no one was there because his horse reared with him and knocked him off. But then that storm came in, and Jumbo was determined to go out in the outside and help his dad, and said, "You can't go out there." Well, he kept it up, so they dressed him all up, and he went out the door, and the wind caught him and blew him around the side of the house, and he came back in, and that was the end of his little venture. But then people at that time were getting food dropped out of airplanes and stuff for him, and but Bud wouldn't do it because he was too stubborn. He said, we can manage on our own. Well, then he rode a horse into Ulrich's after the blizzard was over, but it was still bad, and he rode a horse in, and he bought some groceries, and when he came back, he had the eggs close to the horse's belly so they wouldn't freeze. And just to prove that he could ride a horse into Ulrich's and get food, get eggs and something else. I don't know what he needed, but he made it in there and back. So, you know, when we, but I know a lot of people had food uh, dropped to them yeah. at that time. When we think back then, you know, right now we're de- dealing with this virus, this COVID virus and we feel we're in hardship and there is some I mean the hardship in the respect you can't go a lot of places and you can't see a lot of family that you know on the reservation and the far uh, ranchers there and it it just simply wasn't easy but they were also very tough in uh you know having their own gardens canning putting up stuff and i think now with this covid problem and 
you know, that we need to get back to made in America yeah. and to be more self-sufficient. Well, they were very self-sufficient. Yes. And they were able to, and there'd be days maybe you couldn't get to town if it rained real hard or if it was snowing. And everybody had everything they needed. Yes. It wasn't, uh, and then going to town was a big deal. And Yeah, it was a big deal. <laughs> yeah. It was. Take the cream cans down there. Get down. Sell cream and eggs to Goodman's store in Chadron. In Chadron, and that yeah. was, I think that must have been kind of Aunt Joe's spending money or her fun money. Yeah, it was her yeah. her egg and cream money. Yeah. <laughs> and she yeah. could get what she wanted, what she needed. And, you know, I'd like you to explain, you know, your feelings on living out there all these years and how you came about with these stories. I just enjoyed it. I was here, and I was always had my ear to whatever anybody was talking about. And we had a hired man that used to speak to me in Lakota. I would cook, you know, I'd make something to eat or something like that, or I'd be sitting there and everything he said was Lakota. And then I learned quite a bit from that. Who who was was, that? Jimmy Marabone. Oh, yes, I remember Jimmy. Jimmy used Uh to always talk to me in Lakota so that I would learn. And he was... And that Alice did too. And he was such a a nice guy, you know. Yeah, he was a really nice guy. And his son, Freddie, his only child, stayed out here all the time from the time he was a kid till he grew up. He was always out here. Yeah, Freddie was, Freddie's dad, Jimmy, he used to tell me all kinds. And I think he was from Eagle Butte originally because he married Yellow Horse down here. That was his, Freddie's mom's maiden name. And uh, when I read her obituary, it said that she had met him. He was from Eagle Butte. Hmm. So he wasn't a... He wasn't one that lived here all his life, but he fit right in, and yeah, he, but, they would but come he up was visit. he was still Lakota and still oh yeah spoke yeah, Lakota. Uh huh. They used to come visit. They were quiet. She was very quiet. Jimmy wasn't. He was talkative. Lenny, is there anything else that you might want to share? Or no, just that uh, my grandpa lived up at Faith, and he worked in Eagle Butte. And he talked more Lakota than a lot of the people did. He he was fluent in it, and he put up hay up there all the time, and he knew all the ways. And maybe that's where it came from, that I was so interested in Lakota life because my grandpa could speak Lakota, and he, he was always over at Eagle Butte and stuff, and I just maybe that's where it came from, that I was so intrigued with all of that. And for my listeners, um, I guess... At the end of the interview, I will explain to you, Lenny is not Lakota. <laughs> she married no. a Lakota, and she <laughs> lived out there on the reservation for all these years and stuff. But even though she's not Lakota, I I do like to give my person I interview a Lakota value. And, and I was mm-hmm. thinking about the value for you, Lenny, <laughs> and, <laughs> and uh, there's many values, of course. But mm-hmm. the one I would give to you is the value of fortitude because mm-hmm. um, life on a ranch, and it it's not easy. I mean, it takes no. a lot of fortitude. It takes a lot yeah. of courage to keep going. And yeah. uh, there's always going to be some hard years. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'd say you and Jumbo and the rest of the Hamiltons actually have... Uh, because that was my aunt Joe's name, 
Josephine Swallow Hamilton. You know, they had that fortitude. They didn't give up. And and, um, so thank you so much for being on Lakota Link with us. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. It was fun. And my Lakota friends, they when they talk about Washiches, they don't include me. No, no. <laughs> they're my friends. And they're, Brian brings them back, calls me mom, and he called Jumbo dad all his life, and he's a good friend. And, so and I just I look at people for who they are. That's right. Not, that, not, not the color the of their color, skin or anything skin. else. It's but, who they are. But in case my listeners don't know, Washicha means white man. <laughs> <laughs> but they don't include me. <laughs> no, no. Okay, thanks, Lenny. All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed our segment. You know, I, I enjoy visiting with the people. And if you did go to sandyswallowgallery.com where you can find my artwork and find some history and some background. Please subscribe to it or if you have some comments, we would love to hear your opinion. This is a new adventure for us and I value your opinion. This song is written and sung by my good friend Quincy Goodstar. Lakota Link is here to share Lakota values. God bless you on your journey. Wopila, thank you for joining us.